Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com, joined, as always, by the managing editor of Horns247, Taylor Estes. Taylor, Texas Longhorns are coming off of a bye week. They got to sit at home and watch Kansas State demolish Oklahoma State. 48 to nothing. The same Oklahoma State team that came back from 31-17 down against Texas. Came back from 34-24 down against Texas. And beat the Longhorns 41-34 in Stillwater a week earlier. Um, Believe it or not, Taylor, Texas has won five in a row over Kansas State, including two in a row in Manhattan. That's so crazy. We were talking about that before we started recording, and I was like, really? Like, I couldn't believe that stat, Chip. That's wild, considering well, K-State seemed to always have Texas number under Bill Snyder, at least. Right. For Texas fans who recall the late 90s, early 2000s, it's a, it's a what? Because um, Mac Brown had a losing record against Kansas State during his 16 years as the head coach at Texas. But um, Texas has since Max retirement, Texas is six and two against K-State and has won five in a row. It's the longest winning streak for Texas in the series. So they are now nine and nine since they became Big 12 conference mates. That tie will be broken Saturday night, six o'clock in Manhattan. Temperatures supposed to be in the high 40s, low 50s. Chance of showers. Uh, the game kicks at six o'clock at night on FS1. For those of you who are still, you know, gathering your your uh, how to watch information. So Taylor. The first question before we get to Texas and all the, all that they've learned had another players only meeting uh, following that Oklahoma State loss. Do you watch K State play almost like a a perfect game for them? Mm-hmm. Forty eight to nothing win over Oklahoma State. Mike Gundy doesn't get blown out like that. Do you watch that game and say? This might be a good thing for Texas because there's no way K-State can play that well in back-to-back weeks. Or do you say, uh-oh, K-State is figuring it out and they're they're red hot and you're, you're catching them at a terrible time? I mean, I think it, it might be a little bit of both would be kind of my answer. I do think that, you know, Steve Sarkeesian talked about this during his Monday press conference, but... Um, you would rather face a team that is on K-State side of the spectrum coming out of that game than the flip side. You know, you wouldn't want to face a K-State team that lost 48 to nothing, you know, because they're going to be looking for revenge and vengeance, you know, and so they're going to come out with a vengeance, especially at home. So I get that side of it where this is probably more favorable for Texas to face them after that performance. However, this is a K-State team, Chip, that I before the season even had picked Texas to lose this game. I think that this K-State team is really 
could just be that um, a dangerous team at any given point, regardless of who their quarterback is. I just feel like this K-State team, they've stayed pretty healthy for the most part. That was probably the biggest thing with K-State because they don't have a ton of depth. And even, you know, with Adrian Martinez being a little bit banged up, then Will Howard comes in and he leads that show against Oklahoma State. I think that this is a K-State team that is also very red hot and getting red hard, hot at the right time. And that poses a huge problem for Texas, especially going on the road, especially being a night game inside Bill Snyder Family Stadium. The last number of games, no, no Texas player has played at night inside Bill Snyder Family Stadium in Manhattan, Kansas. I've been in that stadium at nighttime. The last time I think Texas had a night game there was when they won the Big 12 championship. When K-State won the Big 12 championship, I believe that was in 2012. And it gets wild inside. It's a small stadium, but it gets rowdy. So I think that this is this is going to be a huge, huge, uh, tough challenge. It's going to be take a probably close to a perfect game from Texas, I think, in order to you know compete with this K-State team that I think is kind of catching fire at the right time of the season. What, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, K-State, they don't turn the ball over. They, they've only turned it over five times. They lead the Big 12 in turnover margin. The craziest thing about that is all 14 of their takeaways have come in home games. They have not taken the football away from an opponent once on the road, not once. Uh, so their road trip to OU, TCU, um, you know, they did not, um, they didn't have any takeaways in, in those games, but they are a different team at home as a lot of teams are, but that's, that's pretty amazing. I mean, K-State is plus nine in turnover margin. Uh, that is top 15 nationally. Uh, Texas is plus one. For the season and and now to me the biggest question about k-state is at quarterback because will howard looks like a guy who's figured it out um k-state changed their offensive coordinator from courtney messingham to colin klein and will howard idolized skylar thompson skylar thompson um it, I mean, just to take people back to the Texas K-State game last year, Skylar Thompson got hurt. Will Howard came in under Courtney Messingham. They didn't trust Will Howard to throw the ball. I think he was nine of 13. Um, and, and he ran it eight times. He had that 71 yard run, but he, he only threw it for like 56 yards. Like they didn't, they didn't trust him. Uh, nine of 13 for 65 yards he ran it eight times for 82 yards and a touchdown under Colin Klein. He's throwing the football and he was 10 of 13 against TCU 10 of 13 with two touchdowns in helping K state take a 28, 10 lead at TCU. And then he got hurt. They brought in Jake Rubley who immediately threw an interception Um. And then they just tried to run the ball. Their offense totally bogged down. And then Howard came back into the game injured and ended up throwing uh, another interception and it, it didn't work out. But then he comes in against Oklahoma State, you know, throws for 296 yards, four touchdowns. 
and threw a touchdown on fourth and 10 on the first drive. And I asked Steve Sarkeesian about that because look, coaches are a little more brave at home. Uh, that's not like Chris Kleiman to go for it on fourth and 10 Colin Klein after the game, uh, Chris Kleiman said Colin Klein, cause they were, it was fourth and five. They got a penalty and made it fourth and 10 Colin Klein said, let's stick with it. Let's go. I got a, I got a play. And they end up throwing a 38 yard touchdown, um, to, uh, Jake, uh, Warner, who's kind of their, he's kind of their unsung receiver, but that guy is just makes plays. You've got Malik Knowles and Phillip Brooks have been there a while, but, um, I mean, Will Howard looks like the real deal, uh, Taylor. And I think this is going to be fascinating. We'll get into this a little bit later about what does Chris Kleiman do? Because Adrian Martinez has been outstanding. He went on the road and beat OU. Um, he's a big time runner. He's run for nine touchdowns this season. He's done more damage running the football than he has throwing the football. Uh, but Texas is really good against the run and they've proven vulnerable against the pass. Yeah. Well, one thing you have to consider too with Adrian Martinez, when he does throw the ball, he rarely turns it over. I mean, he has zero interceptions on the year and he has played in seven games for Kansas State. So this is a, I mean, I I would say that, um, you know, this is, this is a probably a good uh, problem to have if you are, um, uh, oh my gosh, why am I the offensive coordinator? That Colin, was Klein. Colin Klein. Yeah. I almost said Colin Kleinman. I'm like, no, that's not the right. That's the coach's last name. Anyway. Um, yeah, I think this is probably a good problem to have because they do kind of have two quarterbacks that have the tools to pick apart Texas in different ways. When you talk about, you know, Texas has struggled when facing a running quarterback Adrian Martinez, you know, with him being able to use his legs too, that can be a problem. I mean, he's second on K-State in rushing yards behind Deuce Vaughn. Um, I think he has, he has, I think, over 500 rushing yards on the season. He, I believe, leads uh, Kansas State in rushing touchdowns. He has nine rushing touchdowns. I mean, he has more rushing touchdowns than Deuce Vaughn does. So that kind of shows the, especially in the red zone, especially when they get, you know, him close to the goal line, he answers the call by, you know, punching it in himself. And so this is, there are two quarterbacks that can potentially be very dangerous to Texas based off of their skills. So I, I mean, this is, this going to be interesting to see, I would say how K-State kind of manages this. Um, I mean, I think it's probably going to come down to how healthy or how Adrian Martinez is feeling. Um, Cause he left, wasn't it the TCU game that he left? And like the first, yeah, quarter. he led the first series and then he was done. Yeah. So, you know, I think that this is, uh, I mean, this, this is a, probably a good problem to have. And for Texas, it's going to pose a different challenge for the Texas defense too, because they have to prepare for both. And Steve Sarkeesian did talk about that during his Monday press conference. He said, you know, we're, we're we have to prepare for both at this point because you, we have no idea what they're going to do. And um, that's not necessarily the, greatest thing for your defense, not knowing what type of quarterback they're going to be facing when they're two entirely different styles of quarterback at times. So this is a huge problem, Chip. I mean, this game is, it's never, it seems to be easy to play on the road at Manhattan. And like, I just feel like 
the timing of this game, even with Texas having a bye week, which probably will help them a little bit in preparing for two quarterbacks. They have two weeks to prepare for it. But I still think that even with the extra week of preparation, this is going to be a really, really tough game for Texas to leave with a win. Yeah, I mean, you look at, um, now let's get to the Longhorns. The Longhorns have questions. They have to, um, Quinn Ewers has to bounce back from a, a, his worst performance probably ever. Ever, like um, dating back to high school even, I would say. Right, he he said, yeah, I don't know that I've ever had a game like this um, where he completes less than 40% of his passes and three interceptions and you know, we don't need to relive it all, but, um, it was, it was a tough game, whether it was the wind 23 mile an hour winds, his jammed index finger or, or what, or Oklahoma state's defense, which I find hard to believe because Will Howard carved up that Oklahoma state defense. I thought Texas was going to win the Oklahoma state game because their pass defense was dead last in the big 12, but my goodness, Quinn Ewers kept throwing it near Jason Taylor, the second and Jason Taylor kept catching it uh, instead of Xavier worthy. So um, you've got Quinn Ewers has to bounce back. Steve Sarkeesian's got to figure out what the identity of his football team is going to be, uh, especially in the second half of games when they should be a ground and pound uh, physical running team. And, and then defensively, uh, can Anthony Cook put a cast on that broken left arm and play? Ryan Watts left the Oklahoma State game late with a hamstring injury. I think Ryan Watts is going to be okay, uh, but we have to wait and see if Anthony Cook can play. And and then, you know, are is Texas going to stay aggressive defensively? You know, you watched the Baylor Texas Tech game last week. Baylor's on the road; they're bringing all kinds of pressure on on Baron Morton. They sacked him six times and it just goes now, you know, Texas has to, they, they have to have decided this, you know, when they formulated the game plan 10 days ago. And, and that's, you know, I, I thought Texas should have brought more pressure against Spencer Sanders. Uh, K-State certainly did, and they had great success. Um, so these are questions that Texas has to answer. And, uh, Quinn Ewers said he's been spending extra time throwing with Xavier Worthy, trying to get that connection back to where it's not four completions and 17 targets like it was against Oklahoma State. And um, and for Steve Sarkeesian, what is he telling his team? Because the players had a players-only meeting after the loss to Oklahoma State. Um the first meeting they had was after the road loss to Texas Tech. Roshan Johnson did most of the talking, hammering home the importance of attention to detail. And Texas won three games in a row. Looked great against Oklahoma, West Virginia, Iowa State. They had the meeting to hammer at home again, the, the point of attention to detail. Uh, Sarkeesian, Jordan Whittington, the players all said they were super sharp in, in practice on Monday. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian saying that was a good start for where we need to be at six o'clock on Saturday. Can a players only meeting get this team's mind right, Taylor? I mean, let me just ask you this, Chip. 
sorry, I'm going to answer your question with the question. When has a players only meeting at Texas led to a total overall season change? It's usually when things are in shambles. And the fact that Texas has had two this season, I, I don't like hearing that, to be honest. I mean, I know that people want to buy in that maybe they'll come together, but it's kind of like, why weren't you still together after your first players only meeting? There's something I, I just, I don't like, I personally don't like, I mean, can you think of a time when players only meetings led to a season success for Texas? Well, the no, but the only thing I like about these meetings are that it's the veteran guys who don't have much time left, who are trying yeah. to, to stress to younger guys. Hey, and especially after the Oklahoma state game, um, because young players did have to come into that game. Um, and there's been questions about are the young guys in the secondary doing enough film prep and are they preparing like they're, they're going to be a starter or preparing like the starter. And, and so I'm okay with it. I'm okay with this. And the fact that Jordan Whittington, who's a voice on this team, I think you and I both trust, uh, said that the team he felt like the message got home by the way the team practiced on Monday, then I'm okay with it. I'm okay with the older guys trying to bring the young guys along. And, and they were sharp for three games after that first meeting. And then, you know, did they get a little, I don't want to say complacent because they were up 31 17 on Oklahoma state. It's so crazy. And Jalen Ford even said it that, you know, he's like, we get these leads and then, you know, and I have my philosophy that the coaches get into lead protection mode. They maybe simplify on offense instead of continuing to hammer with creativity. Um, heck, maybe even a trick play, you know, to send the message to the team that, hey, we're still attacking, we're still going. And defensively, they try to keep things in front of them instead of continuing to bring pressure. You got to keep bringing pressure Saturday night or you're going to get beat. Yeah, no, you definitely do. And I I mean, a part of me kind of wonders, so Chip, I feel like when the defense has kind of gotten into the protective mode, there's usually been an injury somewhere in the secondary when that's happened. I mean, against um, even against uh, when Ryan Watts went out of the, what was it, Iowa State game? Iowa State. Yeah, and it was just like they had to shift how they were playing defense because there was a liability at, at corner. And then they had to move players around from different positions to try to fill the the holes and fill the void when he was off the field. Anthony Cook leaving the field. I mean, it changed. It really did change how they called the defense. I think that probably has gotten overlooked a little bit because that even further shows that the depth in the secondary is nowhere near where it should be. And we talked about this, you know, last week when we did our, our live show. I mean, if you're talking, people want to talk about firing Pete Kwiatkowski. I mean, I would say the coaches that should be on the hot seat are the secondary coaches because it's the second year in a row that this has happened where they're, you know, year one, you can kind of give it a little bit of an excuse because they took over a roster that really was lacking in secondary play so much so that they had to remove a receiver that hadn't played in the secondary for what, four seasons to play safety. And he started over a former five-star prospect in BJ Foster. I mean, that's a problem, you know, but that wasn't really this staff's problem. They had a whole year to go to the transfer portal. They had, you know, a whole year to start developing the guys that they did, you know, the, the roster, they did take over some of the secondary members that haven't really done much, but have been on campus for a while. And they haven't 
answered the call. And so, and it's not just the true freshmen. I mean, there's other guys in the secondary that had been on this roster for a while, you know, I mean, remember like in 2020, Tom Herman pretty much signed a whole class before he was even fired before Steve Sarkeesian took over. And there was people, you know, that they had done pretty well in, in recruiting people in the secondary, I would say. So I would say, a lot of the the change in defensive philosophy comes because of the lack of development from the backside of the defense that falls on Blake Gideon that falls on Corey Joseph and the whole chess pieces moving around in the defense because an injury happens to a starter and you know especially the back end especially if it's the safety the last line of the defense and there's no answer to where you have to move players to different positions to try to fill the void that's a problem and you know they're probably not going to attack as much because these guys are huge liabilities in the back end if they can't even find, you know, uh, even just like formidable type of like replacements. If a starter goes down, I would say that probably is, is the, the problem right now, the issue the defense is facing. That's where you hope, I guess that Ryan Watts obviously, and then Anthony cook can play, but I don't know how you, I don't know how you tackle with a broken arm. It's one thing if it's like a finger hand, something like that, you can kind of use your arm to wrap up to and stay away from the injury, but a broken arm. I mean, we were talking about this yesterday. Wasn't, isn't his break like near his elbow? Uh, we- it's, it's a forearm, yeah. which, you know, I'm not sure where the, you know, the break is in the forearm, but sometimes, sometimes you can cast that up and, and play with it. If, if, if they feel like it's, set really well and that's that's what we have to wait and see yeah i mean this just i don't know it's uh you know i think that there's just a lot of questions in the secondary right now and that doesn't that only adds to it with the injuries there well um and apologies cade warner is the receiver uh from k-state who's been getting hot he is the son of pro football hall of famer kurt warner and uh he's kind of the the unsung guy in that receiving core that this uh beleaguered texas secondary uh has to figure out and that's that's going to be a a big time test texas has had uh, a couple weeks to adjust and prepare and so you you would think that uh they'll have an answer but we'll we'll have to see i mean taylor vegas has texas um texas opened as a one point favorite and now they've been bet up to a two and a half point favorite now you and i looked at each other like what's going on when texas was the favorite at oklahoma state and and texas ended up you know squandering another lead and now Texas is again the favorite on the road. I mean, I think I think Vegas looks at the the firepower that Texas has and says, yeah. Yeah, you know, looks at the numbers, looks at Texas's run defense, which is solid, and says, Yeah, on paper, <laughs> they should win. Or Vegas knows that people are going to bet for Texas to win. So they keep just toying with them. Just like, bring me your money. It's like, I mean, that that's, we were kind of joking at, at the press conference yesterday about that. It's like, people must just bet on Texas all the time to win. The fact that Vegas for the last two weeks or two games, not last two weeks, the previous two games now has Texas 
as a favorite when there's really not much reason, especially with their road record under Steve Sarkeesian. I mean, that's the other, you know, the last players meeting chip, when it came after the Texas tech game, we talk about the three straight wins. They all were, it was a neutral site where half the stadium was Texas fans and the other two were home games. And then it ends when they hit the road and what are they doing this week? They're hitting the road. I mean, that's, that's a, I don't know. I kind of, there is a part of me that kind of thinks Vegas just toying with people because they know that people will bet for Texas or bet on Texas and they just cash all the money. Well, the, these kinds of streaks, Texas's five straight um, losses in true road games tend to come to an end when you have enough veteran voices who've had enough and can demand an unbelievable effort from their teammates. And I do know in that players meeting that they talked about, you know, let's do it for these seniors and, and for the guys who are leaving. And, and that's do it for Bijan, if anything, right. and Roshan. I mean, my goodness. Right. I mean, this, so there's, I have this kind of strange feeling about this game that I wouldn't be shocked if Texas has a lead in this game at some point. Oh yeah, we'll they, they will, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> they probably will. And then we can nap this they, out right now. Yeah. yeah. Can they hang on to it? Can they, right. can they keep adding to it? Not hang on to it. That's the wrong <laughs> mindset. But Taylor, you just hit on it. Bijan Robinson. I mean, this is a guy who has destroyed Kansas state. Now it was two years ago. He was a freshman. It was his breakout game of his freshman year. Nine, nine carries for um, 172 yards. He had touchdown runs of 12, 30, and 75 yards. Now that was the K-State team that was decimated by COVID. They started the year four and one. They lost the last five games of the season. Last year, Bijan was hurt. Uh, he had the dislocated elbow, did not play against K-State. Um, but Roshan Johnson, who also destroyed K-State two years ago with 14 carries for 139 yards, 9.9 a carry. Um, Texas ran for seven touchdowns. That's a record against K-State uh, in a home game. Yeah, Bijan and, Roshan accounted for six of those combined. Each yeah, had Bijan three. had three. Roshan had three. They accounted for 311 of Texas's. 334 rushing yards two years ago. Yeah. Now, last year, with Bijan on the shelf uh, and Casey Thompson and Hudson Card both dinged up, Roshan Johnson moved to the Wildcat uh, for a lot of the game and ran 14 times for 100. No, sorry, seven, 31 times for 179 yards uh, in Texas's 22 17 win over K-State. Chris Kleiman is 0-3 against Texas. Bijan and Roshan have destroyed K-State. Uh, surely Steve Sarkeesian has, has uh, picked up on that. And, and K-State's run defense is no joke. I mean, if you look at the teams that have had the most success running the football against K-State, it's come in road games. OU ran it 34 times for 220 yards. Uh, that's 6.5 a carry. And TCU ran it 56 times for 215 yards, 3.8 a carry. Uh, the most K-State has given up in a home game was in the loss uh, to now number 19, Tulane. Tulane ran it uh, 40 times for 160 yards. So 
Texas has to run the football in this game. Sark usually has a great first half script. Um, they just need to be in a position where they're within striking distance and Bijan and Roshan are pounding the rock in the second half. Yeah, they have to. I mean, Steve Sarkeesian has said previously this season that when it's even if it's a tight game, whatever it may be, he wants the ball in the hands of the people that he can trust. And the two people he always points to are Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson as the two guys that he can trust. Yet he hasn't, you know, he he did it against Iowa State, you know, and and I will give him credit for that. He just pound and that was no joke of a run defense. Let's let's not kid ourselves here. Iowa State's run defense was top of one of the top 15 in the country at the time. And he let them just continue to drive. They they had how many? I mean, that one drive that was a that ended, I believe, with Quinn Ewers hitting Jordan Weddington on fourth down for a touchdown in the end zone. That drive, they, I think they rushed it eight of ten times. In nine that, of eleven. Nine of eleven. That's right. Yeah. So that in itself is like I don't know why Steve Sarkeesian went away from that or goes away from it on the road, but he shouldn't. I mean, these are two guys that that you can trust. These are two guys that can get positive yards. They may not get, you know, 10, 12, 15 more yards every single time, but they're good enough to where one if you keep if you stick with them, it's going to break. The levee's going to break and they're going to bust one out for, you know, a big gain or a touchdown. And Steve Sarkeesian really needs to do some self-reflecting there because I mean, you know, after the Oklahoma State game, I talked to a longtime coach who um I I trust, you know, his judgment on a lot of things. And I asked what what was kind of going on when you see how the offense broke down in the second half. And he's like, I don't know why number five doesn't have the ball in his hands. He's like, shoot, not even just number five, number two. He's like, what? why do you have those two weapons and they're not actually, you know, you're not utilizing them when you need it most. And that's, I think, a huge key to the game. Steve Sarkeesian's got to get out of his own way, I think, at some point, because it's like he's contradicting himself in a sense by talking about those being the guys that he can trust when it matters most, yet he's not actually putting the ball in their hands when it has mattered most, especially on the road and especially in that Oklahoma State game. That can't be the case. And, you know, as you said, K-State's run defense is pretty solid. They're fifth in the Big 12, so they're middle of the pack still, you know. And so um, with those type of weapons that and the success that both Bijan and Roshan has had historically playing against Kansas State's run defense, I know it's a different team now, but still – you know, just do it until it doesn't work. That's, that's my, that would be my approach. Run the ball until somebody physically stops it time. And again, not just one stop time. And again, if they continue to stop it, then, you know, rework it. But why do you have the best running back room in the country? And you're not going to use it when you desperately need to. That's my biggest question. Yeah. And we talked about how they, they ran counter uh, brilliantly against Oklahoma state. Uh, it ran, it resulted in a, uh, you know, 42 yard and 52 yard touchdown run from those guys. And, and I said, they never run power. You know, they run a lot of outside zone, a lot of the zone scheme, but in running the counter play, they showed that they will run gap scheme. And so I asked Bijan Robinson this week, I said, y'all never run power. He's like, we've got power. We've got it in the game plan. I'm like, and you know, I talked to you about this Taylor last week. I'm like, why don't you, why didn't you spring power on Oklahoma state 
in the second half. There's a new wrinkle that you haven't really dusted off. I mean, it just, um, I, I'm with you. I mean, you just try whatever. And and Bijan said that he's in constant communication with Tashar Choice about what he's seeing, about what runs he think, you know, will work. And then Choice relays that to Sark, hopefully, allegedly. And, and that's where this thing, um, you know, to me, you got four games left. You better explore every possible way to run the football with Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson while you've got them. And, and if that, for some reason, you know, cause I talked to Dan Neal, I uh, wrote about it in the insider last week, Dan Neal, the former all American offensive lineman at Texas. He said, when we were at Denver uh, with the Broncos, we saw eight man boxes all the time. We still practiced and had to run it against eight man boxes. We just had to be better at blocking. We had to get to the second level. We had to get to the linebacker. It's a mindset. And if Steve Sarkeesian and, and Kyle flood are hammering that mindset into this team, offensive lineman, Dan Neal said it, they want to run block. They'd much rather run block than pass block because run blocking, they're firing off and delivering the first blow. Pass blocking, they're moving backward, absorbing the blow. And so you've got a team that should want to block for Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson. Uh, the only way you're going to beat Kansas State is by winning um, the ground game and being the more physical team. K-State was clearly the more physical team against Oklahoma State last week. Mike Gundy said, "I we practiced lighter because I thought the team was beat up. That was a mistake. We went in to the game, and we were not physical. So Texas had all the time in the world to get that physical mindset uh, hammered home, and, and we'll see. We'll see because, to me, that is the recipe for a victory. You've got two of the best. Heck, even Quinn Ewers said, uh, you've got two guys who are the, he said, it's the best one-two punch in the country. And he said, they love their school. They love their team and their school and are willing to show it. That to me says everything I need to hear. I'm getting yes. the ball in the hands of, as you said, the, the guys that Steve Sarkeesian said he trusts the most. Right. And also, Another road game, Quinn Ewers, his only, you know, start in a true road game of his college career was not good. I mean, he was very, he had a down, down game, a game that, as you said earlier in the show, probably his worst game of his entire football playing career dating back to high school too. And the best thing that can help a struggling quarterback, especially a young struggling quarterback is a good solid run game. And Texas has I agree. The best one-two punch easily in the fo in college football. They have the best running back in Bijan Robinson, in my opinion, in college football. I think if you talk to, you know, any former players, coaches, I mean, they would be chomping at the bit to have that guy on their team. Often, I mean, even when Sam Mays was on, uh, former Oklahoma State All All American offensive lineman, we had him as a guest leading up to the Oklahoma State game, and he talked about how he would have killed the to block for Bijan Robinson. Like he's a guy he would want to be in front of to help him succeed. And, um, you know, you've got to, you've got to help out 
not just those guys, we know with them approaching likely their uh, final four regular season games of their college career, but help out your young quarterback, especially in a hostile environment. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, Deuce Vaughn for K-State on the other side. Uh, Bijan Robinson leads the Big 12 in uh, in rushing. He's averaging 115 yards per game. Uh, Deuce Vaughn's averaging 112 yards rushing per game. Uh, Bijan needs 80 yards for 1,000 for the second straight year. Deuce Vaughn needs... Um, he needs... Uh, what 88 or 90 i'm looking here huh Hold on. let's see he's, only eight he's yards got behind him. so he needs uh 98 98 yeah he has 902 yards on the season so you got to keep deuce vaughn from getting to a thousand and Bijan needs to to finish well over a thousand yards uh for the season uh, by rushing for more than a hundred in his seventh straight game, mm -hmm. and 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 Deuce Vaughn is, you know, Deuce Vaughn has twenty three catches on the year. Uh, Bijan only has seventeen, but Bijan leads this team in yards per catch. He's got seventeen catches for two hundred and eighty yards, and he's averaging sixteen point five yards per catch. I mean. This guy for and that leads Texas receivers for the for receivers who've had at least 10 catches this season. And that that tells you everything you need to know. Just get the ball in the hands of number five. Um, Deuce Vaughn is is really a, a tough matchup because he's he hides. You can't see him. Um, the defensive lineman Keandre Coburn talked about it. Um, and Jalen Ford, the you know, stud middle linebacker for Texas who leads the Big 12 in tackles said, you've got to read your keys really well and and be in the gap because you won't see him until he comes right into the gap at five foot five. So uh, this is going to be a, a really good test because both teams want to pound it on the ground. The team that dominates and is the more physical team uh, on the line of scrimmage and can establish that run game is going to win this game. Um, and I think that uh, that's, that's, it's what you, it's what you want. That's what mm -hmm. you, that's the challenge. And Dan Neal said it playing on the offensive line. It's it's, he said it was the, you know, it was like getting into a legal fight on every play and not getting arrested. Yeah. So, yeah. And Bijan Robinson is seventh in the country in all purpose yards. He's averaging yep. 150 yards per game. Yep. And Deuce Vaughn right behind him at 129. Mm -hmm. So Taylor, um, with that, you ready for some love it or leave it? I am. Before we get to love it or leave it, we're going to take a really quick break, but stay tuned because we have plenty more preview of Texas upcoming road game at Kansas state. We'll be right back. Chip, you ready for the first love it or leave it? I'm ready. All right. Love it or leave it. Having a second players only meeting after losing at Oklahoma State improves Texas chances of winning at K-State. Um, you know what? I'm going to love this because I do feel like um, the the leadership on that team called the meeting for the right reasons to, to hammer home 
uh, the point of attention to detail, especially with younger players who got um, thrown into the Iowa State game and maybe weren't as prepared as maybe the team thought they should have been. Also, this is it. I mean, players would not talk about it this week that Texas still controls its own destiny to get to the Big 12 championship game. They would not talk about it because Good. without this game. <laughs> Sorry. And, and thank God. <laughs> yeah. But it's Roshan Johnson said it. The playoffs start now. It's win or go home. And so it's now or never. You got four games left. And if you're going to make something out of this season, it's got to happen Saturday night at six in Manhattan, Kansas. So I'm okay with with that that players only meeting because it did um the first one did produce a, a three-game winning streak team looked pretty good um in that stretch and and so i'm gonna i'm gonna love this uh jordan whittington says the team's mind was right in monday's practice i'm gonna believe him how about you taylor I mean, I don't think it hurts Texas' chances. I don't know how much it really improves it. Um, so I'm kind of like on the fence. Like, I don't I don't think it's I, – I guess I would say I, I would leave it, but that seems kind of weird because I don't think it hurts Texas' chances. I don't think that the veterans stepping up and calling it like it is to the, the rest of the team is going to lead to any type of negative reaction. So maybe I should love it then, I guess, because I um, – I don't think it, I don't think it like hurts them in any way. Now, to be determined, I would say if it's going to improve their chances, um, I would say the reason why I wouldn't say improve per se is because Texas hasn't won a road game this season. <laughs> I mean, you know, and it's only one one road game under Steve Sarkeesian. So um, I don't have very much faith or confidence in Texas when they are hitting the road, you know, even going into the Oklahoma State game prior to the season, I had predicted that as a game that Texas lost. And I changed my pick and picked Texas to beat Oklahoma State. I'm not doing that again. I picked Texas to lose can against Kansas State, you know, before the season. And I'm sticking with that. So I guess I'm kind of like either or right now because I don't necessarily think it improves it too much until they can prove that they can, you know, perform consistently for four quarters on the road. But I also don't think that it hurts them. So I don't know what, what would my answer be there? I guess leave it maybe, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> nah, uh, toss up. <laughs> That'll be my answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. But I, I also don't buy into a lot of the players only meetings just cause I swear. I mean, that is a term that I feel like I don't want to hear every year that I've covered Texas football yet. It seems like every year I do hear that it is happening or, you know, there are players only meetings and it's like the best record that Texas had was 2018. So I know they did. I guess maybe that season they did have a players only meeting, I believe after the Maryland game. Right. So maybe that was the one time, the one time it led to a better outcome on the year, <laughs> but yeah, I'm not big on the players only meetings personally. All right. Love it or leave it. Number two. Second one is love it or leave it. Texas has a better chance of winning Saturday if Adrian Martinez is at quarterback for Kansas State. I absolutely love this. If if Adrian Martinez plays quarterback for K-State against Texas, I think Texas will win the game. I mean, I think Texas has shown they can stop the run. Um, and I don't think Adrian Martinez has shown he can uh, throw the ball well enough 
to to beat Texas, honestly. Uh, I think they have to play Will Howard. Will Howard can run it. He can throw it. He's hot. He believes. He's he's got the confidence of his of his teammates. Um, what he did going ten of thirteen passing uh, to get at, at TCU to get up twenty eight to ten before Will Howard got hurt. Um, to me, was enough to say, okay, he's the guy. So, you know, Chris Kleiman said that it was a legit game time decision that he and Colin Klein sat down with both quarterbacks um, before they went to the stadium and said, okay, Adrian, where are you? And Adrian said, I'm not quite 100% confident in my knee. And Chris Kleiman and Colin Klein said, okay. And Kleiman also said that they felt like it would be a game where they would need the quarterback to spin it more than they would need the quarterback to run it. And if you're looking at Texas's defense and the way Texas has played the run, um, you're, you're probably going to go with Will Howard as your starting quarterback. If you're Chris Kleiman and Colin Klein, uh, especially with as confident a performance as, as Will Howard uh, put up against Oklahoma State. So, yeah, I'm going to love this. Taylor, how about you? Uh, I don't know because a part of me is going back to the fact that Adrian Martinez is a threat when it comes to running the football, and Texas has not done the best job when it, they've the defense has faced running quarterbacks um, or dual-threat quarterbacks, I should say, that can tuck it and run if they want to. So – I'm kind of torn a little bit. I would, I mean, if Will Howard, you know, comes out and throws for 300 yards, you know, against the Texas defense and Anthony Cook isn't on the field or, you know, isn't playing or something, then yeah, I mean, I would say that they would have lesser chance, I guess, against him. So yeah, I guess I'll love it and say they have a better chance, but I don't, I still don't love it per se because Adrian Martinez let threat as a runner, I think can pose uh, some problems for the Texas defense, just because, I mean, if you go through the stat sheet for Texas this season, I mean, when they have faced running quarterbacks, you know, um, UTSA, uh, they gave up, you know, more than a hundred yards rushing Texas tech gave up more than a hundred yards rushing Oklahoma state gave up more than a hundred yards rushing where some of the other ones where they were more pocket passers, they didn't give up that, you know, less than a hundred yards. So I'm going to leave it, actually. I'm going to say I think that the the threat of his legs um, is just as much of a threat as uh, Will Howard's arm. So in Texas, a struggle with running quarterback. So I'm going to leave it. Okay. All right. Love it or leave it. Number three. Sorry. I'm kind of like wishy-washy on all these things here today. But uh, all right. Final one. If Quinn Ewers has the same game he had against Iowa State, 17 of 26 passing for 172 yards and three touchdowns, Texas will win Saturday night. Love it or leave it. Yeah, I'm going to love this. I'm going to love this because um, that means he's doing just enough in the passing game to keep the safeties back. Uh, and that should mean plenty of room for, for Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson to run the football. And Steve Sarkeesian will be balanced. And when a play caller is balanced, then they get into rhythm and the quarterback gets into rhythm and the offense performs at a higher level. 
I mean, I may be, you know, 17 to 26 for 172 yards. It's not, it's not a huge day. Um, but the three touchdown passes would be, I think that would be enough. And then you throw in the running game of Texas, um, you know, unless the defense, the Texas defense just completely falls apart in this game, which they've had their moments. I mean, um, they were in a shootout with Oklahoma state and they, they don't need to be in a shootout with K state. Let's put it that way. But, um, I'm going to love this Taylor. Uh, how about you? Yeah, I'm going to love it. I agree with you. I don't think the 172 yards is obviously, you know, lighting the world on fire or anything, but the three touchdowns is where, what will be key. If they can get three touchdowns out of Quinn Ewer's arm, then that makes me think that they're going to be running the ball pretty well too. So, um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to love it. I'm going to say that if, if he can throw for three touchdowns then Texas has a far, far better chance to win Saturday night, um, at K state. So yeah, I'm going to love it too. You know, before the season, I said K state (laughs) would be in the big 12 championship game against Oklahoma state. Um, because I felt like K state had a one year window uh, if they got top top of the line quarterback play and this team has a really good culture uh, so this is going to take everything uh, Texas has uh, to go up there uh, in what will be you know a cold possibly wet uh, game Saturday night and um Let's see. I guess what, a team that doesn't get penalized very much either. Right. That's right. another thing. They're very disciplined when. That's right. And they're, they, they've got great returners. Uh, Phillip Brooks averages 23 yards per punt return. That's ridiculous. And Malik yeah. Knowles um, has returned three kicks for touchdowns in his career. They, they still have that special teams quality. Now, kicking field goals has been more of an adventure. Chris Tennant uh, has been benched. Now they have Ty Zentner who is um, kicking field goals for them. And we'll see how that goes. They didn't really need (laughs) to worry about kicking field goals against Oklahoma state. They were just scoring touchdowns. So uh, we'll see how that goes. And, and of course, Texas had an unbelievable special teams game against Oklahoma state. Um, If you, uh, disregard the 46 yard missed field goal, uh, toward the end of the game. But I mean, a blocked punt, um, recovered a muffed punt, big returns from Xavier worthy, um, Daniel Trejo putting the ball out at the one yard line. So, uh, this will be a, a really interesting battle of special teams as well. And Taylor and I will be back to recap it late Saturday night, Sunday morning. So um, check back with us and make sure that you listen to the flagship podcast interview with John Kurtz of KC Sports Network previewing uh, the K-State game because he's got all kinds of good nuggets in there about the Wildcats and how he sees the matchup between Texas and K-State. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening. For Taylor Estes, I'm Chip Brown. Until next time, we'll see you at horns247.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the Horns 24-7 YouTube channel. And uh, 
Until next time, stay safe and keep the faith.